This morning we're looking at What If Jesus Is God's Son? Someone read that title prior to the day and kind of looked at me strange like, why would you preach on What If Jesus Is God's Son? But the truth is that uh, probably less than three-fourths of people who actually attend church when they were questioned, do you really believe that Jesus truly is God's Son, said no or were uncertain about that. Truly, do they believe? That was a big question when they were put to the exact point of having to answer that question. This morning we're going to look at what if Jesus is God's Son And if Jesus is God's Son, what kind of effect would His sacrifice make? Let's look at Matthew chapter 27 in verses 35 through 54. We'll read this out of the New King James Version this morning. Matthew chapter 27. We're going back to the cross at a point where we see Jesus making a sacrifice for all of mankind, for all of eternity, for all sins that have been committed. Jesus is making that sacrifice and bringing it to the reality of who He really is, and ask the question, what if? Matter of fact, as we look at the Scriptures this morning, the question will be repeated by various people. If you are the Son of God, do this. If you are God's Son, you could do this, or God would do that. And all their questions were leading up to prove yourself do something on our requirements. The only thing that they didn't understand is they made the statement, if you are God's son, then come down from the cross. But if Jesus had came down from the cross, then the sacrifice for forgiveness of our sins would not have been completed. So God loved us too much to respond to the demands of the people who were saying, if you are, do this or do that. But still people ask the question, is Jesus really God's son? Well, what if Jesus is God's Son. Matthew chapter 27 and beginning in verse 35 says this, Then they crucified Jesus and dividing His garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Sitting down, they kept watch over Him there, and they put up over His head the accusation written against Him. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews." And then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and another on the left. And those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their, tail, or wagging their heads and saying, You who destroyed the temple and built it in three days, save yourself. And here comes the question. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. Verse 41 says, Likewise, the chief priest also, mocking with the scribes and elders, said, He saved others. Himself he cannot save, making a mockery of him. And then here comes the question in the end of verse 42. It says, if he is the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe him. He entrusted in God. Let him deliver him now if he will have him. For he said, I am the son of God. And even the robbers who were crucified with him reviled him with the same thing. Verse 45 says, Now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of those who stood there when they heard that said, This man is calling for Elijah. 
And immediately one of them ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, and put it on the reed and offered it to him to drink. And the rest said, Let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth quaked and the rocks were split. And the graves were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. And verse 54 says, So when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared greatly, saying, Truly this was the Son of God. The soldier almost got it right. Uh, one word he should have changed, and that was, Truly this is the Son of God. For the centurion and those around him, when it came to that statement, he was thinking, All right, he has life has ended, but this was more than a man. This wasn't just a great teacher or someone who prophesied a lot of things and they seemed to have happened. But he said, this truly was the Son of God. What he didn't realize, this wasn't the end, but this was just the end that led to the beginning. The beginning of life for you and I. And so when the centurion said this was the Son of God, there's a few words that are written in this language, in the Greek language prior to it, that kind of gets our minds thinking a little bit. One of them, if you look in that verse uh, 54, says that uh, when they, those regarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that happened. The word happened is the word genomai, which means when they saw the things happening that belonged. The word genomai, I don't think, was an accident to be used there because what it was saying is that the centurion soldier and those who were guarding around Jesus when they saw all that was happening that was connected to Jesus. You see, God in His infinite wisdom puts words in there, especially in the Greek language, to make us understand the full depth, well, maybe not the full depth, but a little more depth of what was happening. When they said, Genemiah, it was as those centurion soldiers were saying, we've seen what all has happened while we have been here on this place called Calvary this place called Golgotha, and all the things that have been happening are not just coincidence, are not just by a certain timing. They are all connected to Jesus. Now that's very important to understand that one particular word, Genemiah, because they were saying everything that we're seeing up here is linked to this man who is nailed to the cross whom they called Jesus. The reason that is important for you and I to ask the question, what if Jesus is God's son? We have to understand that everything that was happening wasn't just timing, wasn't the season of the year, it wasn't just coincidence, but just like the word Genemiah means, things that are happening connected to someone or something. And then it says, when they saw all that had happened, it says they feared greatly. The word feared there was the word phobia, which meant that they had a fearful, reverent respect. So the Bible is saying that this centurion soldier, and it says not only that he had fear, but it says greatly, and the word that was used meant exceedingly, in abundance. So the Bible is saying this, basically. The centurion and all the soldiers around saw everything that was happening right there at that moment that they knew was connected to Jesus and they were feared with an awe of respect and reverence and worship 
and an exceeding moving of emotion inside of them. You see, it wasn't just like, whoa, what's happening? Maybe this is the Son of God. But they were saying everything that is happening has to be connected to Jesus. It's not a coincidence. Truly, this man that we just crucified was, but you and I would say, is the Son of God because we know that this is not the end. So we go back to the question that I asked at the beginning of this message, and that is, what if Jesus is God's Son? What kind of effect would His sacrifice make? Well, if Jesus, and if we look at the Scriptures, the Bible tells us in Genesis that God said, let us make man in our own image. So God's carrying on conversation with His Son, Jesus Christ. And if Jesus truly is the Son of God, one of the effects that I see from these Scriptures that I believe would be true is that Jesus' sacrifice would make creation mourn. If Jesus was the part of the Creator of creating all the things. And we can go to Genesis and we can read about how that God separated the sky from the, or the earth from the waters. He made the sun and the moon. He made all of the creations. And everything He said, He said, this is good, this is good. And then He created man and He said, this is very good. We can look at all of that and we come to the conclusion, obviously, a creation knows who its creator is. And so as we look at the Scriptures, if the Creator is being nailed to a cross, and remember the word the, that the soldier used was the word genomai, which meant everything that's happening around here is linked to Jesus, the effect that this Jesus' sacrifice would make would mean that all of creation would be in mourning, right? When you and I lose someone who is part of us, who is dear to us, someone we have a close connection to, it makes us mourn, doesn't it? So it's just kind of obvious to me that if Jesus created all things, when Jesus makes His sacrifice, His sacrifice would make all of creation mourn. Do we find that in the Scriptures? The Bible tells us that as Jesus was there on the cross and He cried out with a loud voice and He yielded up His Spirit, the Bible tells us that there were some things that happened. And a matter of fact, if you look at verse 45, it says... Now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land. To understand what they're saying there is, in the Jewish calendar in the day, it started out at six o'clock. So the sixth hour was six hours after 6 a.m., which would be 12 o'clock, which we would call lunchtime, my favorite part of the day. Lunchtime, noontime, midday. And so at the mid part of the day, Suddenly, while all are gathered around Calvary and gathered around Jesus, when it should be where the sun is in the center of the sky and is at the mid part of the day, suddenly everything becomes dark. Maybe it's a little bit of an eclipse. But it says from the sixth hour until the ninth hour. The ninth hour would be three o'clock in the afternoon. So for a three hours period of span, there was darkness that the Bible says over all the land. Was that just a coincidence? Or was it Genemiah? Was it something that was happening that was directly connected to Jesus that when he gave up his last breath, when the Son of God was there on the cross, that all of creation did just like you and I, they mourned. Darkness filled the earth. This may even be where we kind of get the symbolization of mourning. When we go into mourning, we, we weep, we grieve. 
We wear black many times to represent there is darkness in our life. We have lost something that is precious to us. The Bible not only tells us this, but as I look through the scriptures, you'll notice that when there were moments of the Jewish history, that when they were deeply mourned and when they were deeply grieved, when they were deeply moved emotions, they would rip their clothes, symbolizing their grief and their mourning. And the Bible tells us, that we read on to the scriptures, that even the rocks burst open. There was such grief that not only was darkness filling the earth for three hours, which is phenomenal in the middle part of the day, but even the rocks burst open. What is that saying to you and I today? That Jesus Christ's sacrifice made creation mourn. That from the very sky to the very earth, for a period of three hours, all of creation was in mourning over its Creator. What if Jesus is God's Son? You see, can you look at that centurion soldier and have to say, man... I can see what he was saying, that he was moved in his motions because he saw all of creation mourn and he even realized that creation would mourn over that Jesus' sacrifice. But what if Jesus is God's son? Not only would it make creation mourn, but Jesus' sacrifice would also make access to God open. The Bible tells us that not only did there, was there a passing of three hours of darkness, But as Jesus gave up His Spirit, the Bible tells us in verse 51, Behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two, meaning it was ripped totally in half, from top to bottom. Now as we're sitting here in this sanctuary, this uh, probably the center of this roof is about 26 feet high from the floor to the center. According to some historical records and the recreation of the temples and so forth, that some have come to this conclusion that the temple was enlarged over periods of time and that very well, now we don't know this for a fact, but some of the historical records imply that the veil of the temple could have been 60 feet long from top to bottom, basically doubling the height from our floor to the center of the sanctuary. And we have a lot of things that are recorded in various things that some things have very good reliability, some not so sure. Some things we know that the veil of the temple was uh, knitly woven together in a unique way, that it had a cherubim on it, that it, a cherubim. And it was also put together with scarlet and blue and purple thread. And they wove it in such a unique way. Now, we don't know this for a fact, but some have even found some things recorded that they said that it was about the width of your hand or maybe four inches thick. So we imagine a curtain that's four inches thick, and we don't know all these things for exact certain, but these are some of the things that have kind of been implied through historical records. 60 feet long, four inches thick. Some have even put this down that they had seen through historical records that a man could never tear it in two. It would take a team of animals tied to each side to rip it apart. Now, we don't know that for a fact, but we do know that it was extremely tightly woven together. It was made out of just a specific type of material that when it was woven together, it had extreme strength. And yet the Bible tells us that when Jesus yielded up His Spirit, that from a 60-foot length possibly, from top to bottom, it was ripped totally in half in an instant. What did that veil even symbolize? It was just some good decoration and now, oh man, that was a lot of money wasted. The veil of the temple was what separated everyone 
from what was considered the holy of holies, where God's earthly presence was considered to be, where God's spirit was. And only once a year did the high priest, was he able to go in and make a sacrifice for the sins of all of the Jewish people. And yet in this moment, it was torn from top to bottom. It was as God Himself said, the sacrifice that I was looking for has been met and total access to God by you, for you and I was ripped open. You see, if Jesus is God's Son, does it make sense that the sacrifice of Jesus would make access to God to be open? Sure it does, because year after year they were doing a lamb sacrifice and it never was totally sufficient. But when Jesus, the Son of God, sacrificed His blood, then God's necessity for a perfect sacrifice was met. Jesus' sacrifice would make access. If He is God's Son, it would make access to God open. Another thing I saw in the Scriptures, if Jesus is God's Son, that would have effect on us. Jesus' sacrifice would make death defeated. We even sing the songs sometimes from the Scriptures that death has been defeated. Well, the Bible tells us that when Jesus gave up His Spirit, that not only was the veil torn from top to bottom and the earthquake and the rock split, but in verse 52 it says, and the graves were open and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised and coming out of the graves after his, after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. I don't know if any of y'all kind of imagine things in your mind. Some of you, it might be dangerous if you did like I do. But I imagine in my mind, okay, Jesus has given up his spirit. The graves have burst open. And now people, and we don't know it all it says is the saints. We don't know exactly who it is. But I just start imagining in my mind, you know, that people are walking the streets and they go, that guy looks just like a, a drawing I saw of Moses. That guy looks just like King David. And they start seeing, and it says that they went into the city and they began to appear to many. The Bible is letting us know that even death was defeated when the very Son of God gave up His life as a sacrifice for you and I. And just as the Bible says, and just as we sing today, that if Jesus truly is the Son of God, then the Son of God's sacrifice would affect death and it would be defeated. I don't know about you, but one of the things on this earth that we have to face that tears me up the most is death. To love someone and for death to have to come and feel separated from them. But the Bible tells us that that's only a temporary thing. That when a person knows Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, all those who know Christ will be assembled in heaven and there'll be a great heavenly saint reunion. And so death is just temporary for those who know Christ. And the Bible is letting us know when Jesus gave up His breath as the very Son of God that Jesus' sacrifice made death defeated. I look at the last thing that I think really comes to where you and I are today, and that is, if Jesus is God's Son, then Jesus', Jesus sacrifice would make a change in sinful man. His sacrifice would not only make creation mourn and make access to God open and make death defeated, but ultimately, it would make a change in sinful man. And if you look at the verse 54, and the centurions were known for their strength, for their leadership, 
for their unwavering ruthlessness to follow out the orders, whether it's an order of execution. And so when this centurion is there, here is a man of great strength, of great dedication to his leadership, ruthless in following out his orders. And yet the Bible says that he bowed down and said, truly this was the Son of God. You know what Jesus' sacrifice did? It made a change in sinful man. A man who was known to be ruthless, who would stop until only everything was completed, that he was given orders. And he says, truly, this was the Son of God. You know what it did? It made a change in a sinful man. i just like to ask this as a question. This is just to the men. But are there any men in here that raise their hand like me and say, Jesus made a change in a sinful man in their life? Look around, folks. Sinful man at the sacrifice of the Son of God. I love Cowboy, but if Cowboy gave his life for me, wouldn't necessarily make a changed man out of me. But when the Son of God makes His sacrifice, it changed my life. We could take hours and hours and let every man in here stand and take a few moments and just share about what the change Jesus has made in their life, and it would be phenomenal. You see, Jesus, people today who are sitting in churches week after week, and yet under three, four, only three-fourths or less are saying, I truly believe Jesus is the Son of God. But we look to the Scriptures, and I don't think it was by accident that these things occurred or that they were recorded, or even the word genomai was used, which means the happenings that are connected. It was to let you and I know that when we wonder if Jesus is God's Son, we look at it and say He has to be. Creation mourned, access to God was opened, death was defeated, and it changed sinful man. But here's the question you and I got to leave with today, and that is, what if Jesus is God's Son? What are you going to do? What kind of change is it going to make in your life? Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you this morning. We thank you, God, for your love and your mercy and your grace. And Lord, we thank you, God, for the privilege to be in your house. And Lord, I pray that every one of us in this congregation, either before we came or before we leave, will have experienced what the centurion said, Genemiah, some things that have happened that are connected to Jesus. Lord, when the centurion, the Bible's very clear, when the centurion saw all that happened, when he saw the darkness and the earthquake and the graves open, when he saw all that was happening, he said, truly this was the Son of God. Lord, it needs to be in our hearts and minds today that it's not that it was or it could be, but that Jesus, you are the Son of God and our only means of salvation. Our God's Son what am I going to do? What kind of change is it going to make in my life from this day forward? Lord, I pray that you've just filled me with some more things that when someone says, do you really believe Jesus is God's Son? I can say when all creation mourns, when death is defeated, when the access to God is open, when sinful man is changed, Jesus has to be God's Son. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, we baptized a few folks a while ago. But today there may be some of you that maybe you've been questioning where you are in your relationship with God or whether you've ever really been saved. 
But maybe today God spoke to your heart and made some things perfectly clear for you. And maybe today is the day of salvation for you to really nail down your salvation and know without a doubt that you've given your heart and life to the Lord and that you know that Jesus is God's Son. If that's you this morning, would you pray this prayer in your heart? Just silently in your heart right where you're sitting. Dear Lord, you've spoken to my heart today. Some may say, if Jesus is... But today I say Jesus is God's Son. Lord, I know I've made some mistakes in my life, but today I ask You to forgive me of my sins. I ask You to cleanse my heart, and I accept You as my Lord and my Savior. Thank You for saving me. Now while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if you pray that prayer to receive Christ as your Savior, while nobody else is looking around but me, if you prayed that prayer, would you just slip up your hand just to say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer and I invited Jesus into my heart. You prayed that prayer. Would you just slip it up for just a moment and put it right back down? Thank you. There may be some of you today that you know that you're a Christian. There's no doubt in your mind that you're saved. But when the question is asked, what are you going to do if Jesus is God's Son, you realize you haven't been doing all that you should do or haven't planned out to be all that you should be. You want to make some changes in your life. If that's your desire, would you pray this prayer, dear Lord? I know I haven't been all that I should be for you. I haven't shown the change that should have been shown. But today I rededicate my life and I commit to serve you from this day forward. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if you pray that prayer to rededicate your life, would you just slip up your hand for just a moment? Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. To God be the glory. For those who've raised your hand this morning, whether it's a prayer of salvation or rededication, today God wanted to speak to you to let you know without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus is God's Son and He desires to not only make you change from a sinful person, but a saving, a serving person. A person who is serving the Lord with all their heart. I want to challenge you to leave here different than when you came. Dear Lord, I pray for all that raised their hands. And Lord, I pray that, that today as they leave here from this service, there'll be some things in their heart and their mind that has left them the reality that Jesus is not just possibly the Son of God, but He is positively the Son of God. That You are their Savior, and they're going to live for You. Your life, their life is going to be different because You've touched them. Lord, just be glorified through them and I'll give you praise and honor and glory for not only those who raised their hand, but those who are praying in the altar this morning. And it's in your holy name we pray. Amen.